Good morning. Before I get started this morning, I want to say something uh, to you all. As I was preparing my sermon this week, I was struck by what an incredible blessing it is to be your pastor and what a privilege it is to stand before you on a Sunday morning to preach God's word and to together listen for God's word. Uh, This past Monday marked my five-year anniversary of serving here um, at FPC, and while I still can't say that I understand this place called Richmond, Virginia, um, what I have come to understand during my time here is the incredible beauty of the body of Christ and the incredible joy that it is to live together in community as God's people. And so... Uh, That's what I wanted to say. I want to thank you for teaching me this, and I promise this is not my way of buttering you up to compensate for a dud sermon, so you don't have to worry about that. Uh, In the beginning of the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, we are told that the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the disciples at Pentecost, and at that moment, the church was born. And right after its birth, the church began to grow like wildfire. It appeared that nothing could stop it. People were joining the church by the thousands. The disciples, who are at this point called the apostles, were performing the very miracles that Jesus himself performed. Incredible things happened. And every time that one of these apostles was arrested... The church only had to pray, and that apostle would be released from jail. It was this amazing time. Then we get to the sixth chapter of Acts, and we are told that persecution broke out against the new church. The deacon Stephen is martyred. He is stoned. And this is when the church begins to realize that God does not always protect Christians from painful experiences, in spite of their fervent prayers. And I think we know about that, don't we? We know this experience. For we all have good chapters and we all have hard chapters in our lives and our journeys. A loved one gets sick. Something difficult unfolds at work. A relationship is in trouble. And we pray to avoid that dark night of the soul that we see coming. And sometimes when we pray, we receive exactly what we are asking for. And we are so very grateful. But we also know from experience that sometimes the holy, pra- the holy answer to prayer is no. So now we get to chapter 12 in the book of Acts. Let's hear our passage for this morning from chapter 12, verses 1 through 16. About that time, King Herod laid violent hands upon some who belonged to the church. He had James, the brother of John, killed with the sword. After he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the festival of unleavened bread. When he had seized him, he put him in prison and handed him over to the four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending to bring him out to the people after the Passover. 
While Peter was kept in prison, the church prayed fervently to God for him. The very night before Herod was going to bring him out, Peter, bound with two chains, was sleeping between two soldiers, while guards in front of the door were keeping watch over the prison. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He tapped Peter on the side, and he woke him, saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off his wrists. The angel said to him, Fasten your belt and put on your sandals. He did so. Then he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. Peter went out and followed him. He did not realize that what was happening with the angel's help was real. He thought he was seeing a vision. After they had passed the first and the second guard, they came before the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them of its own accord, and they went outside and walked along a lane, when suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hands of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. As soon as he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many had gathered and were praying. When he knocked at the outer gate, a maid named Rhoda came to answer. On recognizing Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the gate, she ran in and announced that Peter was at the gate. They said to her, you are out of your mind. But she insisted that it was so. They said, it is his angel. Meanwhile, Peter continued knocking. And when they opened the gate, they saw him, and they were amazed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We're told that King Herod laid violent hands upon those who belonged to the church. This Herod was the grandson of Herod the Great, the very one who slaughtered the children of Bethlehem when Jesus was born. And he was the nephew of Herod Antipas, who put Jesus on trial before he went to the cross. And like all of the Herods before him, this Herod was crazy about power and would do anything to keep it. These Herods were an unsavory bunch, the whole lot of them. Like Judas, it is no wonder that since this time, we haven't seen many children named Herod in the Christian world. When this Herod discovered that the Jewish leaders were anxious about the church's growth, he had the apostle James arrested and killed. And when he saw that this helped his popularity polls, Herod had Peter arrested as well. The text tells us that the church prayed fervently for Peter after he was arrested. But I think that begs the question, don't you think that they also prayed fervently for James. And yet, in spite of their prayers, James was killed. So what were, what were these early Christians, what was the church thinking when they were now praying for Peter, who was in jail? Had they learned to lower their expectations in prayer? Were they saying, oh Lord, please just make Peter comfortable in jail. Give him courage in his hour of death. Or did the church continue to say, 
Oh Lord, please free, please release Peter from jail. When a loved one gets sick or is in trouble, frequently one of the pastors is asked, How do I pray? Should I be praying for healing? What if she dies? What would that say about my prayers? What would that say about God? So it is as if we too are tempted to lower our expectations in prayer. We are tempted to make sure that we keep God off the hook in case we do not receive what we want. But there is no such thing as playing it safe in prayer. It cannot be done because when you pray, heaven and earth come together. How can you possibly do that safely? How can we stand in the presence of the Almighty God and have any illusions of being safe? Prayer is never safe. The most important things that Jesus said about prayer were this, ask, seek, and knock. He never told us to pray for the ability not to care about what happens. No, he said that when we pray, prayer is when we lift the greatest desires of our hearts all the way to heaven. In 1 John 5, we are told, if we ask anything according to God's will, He hears us. Now, the operative words there are according to God's will. But how can we know the will of God unless we stand in God's presence in prayer? We all have so many questions about prayer. I think what we really want to know is, does prayer work? And what we mean by that is, does prayer change anything? I stand here this morning to say that the answer to that question is a resounding yes. Prayer changes things. Mostly what it changes is the person doing the praying. In prayer, you stand in God's presence. And how can we stand in God's presence and not experience change and transformation in our lives? One of the great changes is that we start to be able to discern God's holy will for us. And we start to rest in that. This was not Peter's first time in jail. Actually, it was his third The second time when he was miraculously released from jail, he went to the authorities and he went and did a little more preaching to them. First of all, they were stunned because they thought he was in jail. But he was in their presence saying that his life had become a witness to the will of God. And therefore, he would not be afraid. And that becomes very evident in this account of his miraculous release from his third arrest. As the 12th chapter unfolds, Peter is sleeping in jail, and he is bound in chains. A guard is sleeping on each side of him, and two more guards are posted at the door. And the angel of the Lord appears in the jail cell, and the glory of the Lord shines all around the angel. But it seems the angel cannot even wake up Peter just by his presence. Peter is sleeping so soundly and so peacefully that the the angel actually has to nudge him, has to tap him and say, get up. This is not a man who is anxious about his life. 
This is a man who is in jail, but yet is sleeping like a baby because he has learned to trust the sovereign will of God in the good chapters of his life and also in these, the trials and the hardships and the difficulties of his life. In his story, he has found peace in God's hands. Day after day in our prayers, we are to bring the greatest desires of our hearts to God. And sometimes the answer that we hear is yes. And sometimes the answer is no. But in all times, we find that our life is being changed and molded as a person who lives in the hands of a creator. What the early church learned is that prayer is not a quid pro quo between ourselves and God, so that whatever we ask for, we will get. If we just use the right formula or have enough faith. And similarly, if our petitions are not answered as we desire, it is not a judgment on our prayers or our faith or our worthiness. God often chooses not to heal, not to release from bondage for reasons only known to God. In much the same way that parents must make hard decisions for their children and sometimes say no, even when their child does not understand. And I think that even if the reason for God's no was to be explained to us, I suspect that we would not understand it any better than children sometimes understand the no's that mom and dad must give. When this very non-anxious, sleeping, peaceful Peter finally wakes up and follows the angel out of jail, the first thing that they do is go to the house where the church has been fervently praying for Peter's release. Peter walks up to the front gate of the house. He bangs on the door and he interrupts the prayer meeting. So the church sends a servant girl named Rhoda to answer the door. She opens the door, and this is great. She is so astonished to see Peter that she leaves him outside, and she runs to tell the others that their prayers have been answered. But those that are in prayer, in the wake of the death of Stephen and of James, they have grown so accustomed to being disappointed that they do not believe her. They tell Rhoda, you are out of your mind. A more literal translation of that is, you have lost touch with reality. This is amazing. The church is praying, oh Lord, release our brother Peter. The servant girl says, you can stop praying. Peter is knocking at the door. And all the church can say is, that cannot be real. The church learns and we learn that sometimes the answer to prayer is yes. Sometimes the fervent earnest desires of our heart are exactly what God is ready to give us. But in asking, we start to discover that the greatest desire that we have is being in God's presence, of standing before the God of heaven and earth who created us and who loves us. Prayer is not just conversation in front of God. Prayer is communion with God, becoming one with God. It is taking the time to understand in our inner being that there is nothing more real than what God is doing in our lives and in the world. And in prayer, 
we begin to, to discern what it is that God is up to, what God is doing, sometimes the answer to our prayers is yes. But we are often not going to know that unless we have been in prayer. Sometimes, like the church discovered that night, on the dark nights when they pray, there is relief. But sometimes the answer is no. Like on the dark night in Gethsemane, when Jesus himself prayed to avoid the cross. But at all times, through prayer we discover that the greatest miracle of all is not always the one that we are asking for. It is the miracle that God is with us. It is the miracle that God has always been with us, holding our lives in God's hands. Amen. At this time, as we continue in worship, we invite the band to come forward. And we respond in worship at this time by, with hearts that are glad and grateful, realizing that all that we have and all that we are is a gift from God. We joyfully return to God what belongs to God as we collect our tithes and our offerings. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, we thank you for the ways that you meet us in the deepest longings and desires of our hearts, that you become real to us, that you are our God, you are also our friend. We ask now that we can continue to respond in this time of worship to your love, to your presence, to your goodness for us. Lord, we ask that you use these gifts that are about to be given to strengthen the mission of this congregation. As we bear witness in our lives to you, O God, a God who is for us, a God who is with us. In your name we pray.